Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Relationships are so key to God's heart. God set him up and right at the beginning in Genesis, he set up relationship. And then when Jesus was asked in the New Testament, hey, what is the most important law? What is the most important commandment? Uh, out of all the 600 plus that there are, what is the most important one? In Mark, this is what he says in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And uh, I think this is important, where it's just God saying, hey, these are the most important things. Firstly, relationship with me, with the Father, with God in heaven. Secondly, with others, with each other, our relationships with each other. These are the most important things. He actually says, in another verse, all of the, all of the laws and all of the commands uh, are, are filled, fulfilled in these two things, where you love God and love people. So we're going to talk on that today. But you need to know that the things that God loves and the things that God is passionate mostly about are the things that are often most attacked with us. And uh, they come under most fire. And uh, so our relationship with God, our relationship with others will come under attack. And uh, if you were going to set up, I guess, in, in uh, like kind of the marriage uh, projection going forward and, and a great way to do marriage, this slide here would probably be what it kind of looked like in an ideal world. You'd start off single, you'd start dating, you'd get engaged, you get married, you have sex and you have kids. See, I did get sex in there. There, there, there you go. It's, uh, it's there. Now, that is a, a progression that kind of looks healthy. And that is good. You may stop at single and never get to past single. That is okay. That's still healthy. You may just get engaged and married and, and not have kids. That's still healthy. You don't have to complete all of these to be healthy, but it's a good progression. But often the next slide shows what the world is like kind of now in many ways. If you guys put it up, it's, it's kind of more like this. It could go single, dating, sex, dating, sex, kids, married, divorce, sex, kids, and it goes kind of all over the place. And in many ways, the second one is more celebrated than the first where you kind of look at that and go, hang on, um, is, is that the right way of doing it? But what happens is sometimes that looks fun, but it causes a lot of pain down the track. And, and mostly it causes pain in the kids. So you see kids mentioned on there a couple of times. They're the ones that feel the brunt of our bad decisions in this area. Uh, so we need to make sure we do them right and not wrong. And if you have messed up and you kind of go, I would look more like that second list than the first list. Uh, then there's hope for you. God restores and God moves and, and God does that. And none of us are perfect. We're all on this journey together. I know I came into church as a non-Christian and, and my view of relationships was warped and it wasn't good. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I didn't grow up uh, with this type of heritage. But what I've seen is as I've come to God and I put my relationships in God's hands and I go after Him, they tend to work a lot better and they tend to grow. I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. I'm no expert. But we want to do it right. So I want to give three keys today on how to do right relationships. How to do right relationships. Are you ready for them? There's about four people here. Kudzi's ready. Kudzi's got a big smile on his face. But three rights. Number one we need is right priorities. Right priorities. And uh, I think uh, right priorities are key. As I said before, God set up the most important thing in relationship with Him, relationship with others is the most important thing. The most important thing should be our priorities. They should be the things that we spend the most time and focus on. 
and, and be able to do that. And uh, I think in church this year, we've got the year of the table where we've actually said we want to make this a priority. We want to set aside time where we come around the table with others and, and, and commune with others and have uh, time with others and do that. But we need to make these a priority. But one thing that I notice that stops this is our culture, in our culture, it's very hard to have priorities because there seems to be so much coming at us and so many things to do. I think when I ask people now, uh, how are you doing in the week? The most common answer by far is I'm busy. And you know, even more, I reckon the last six months, it's gone, they've added like a kind of an extra to it. So it's either like, it's not just I'm busy anymore, it's like I'm amazingly busy. I'm busier than I've ever been in my life and things like that. And you're kind of like, okay, okay. But I think uh, we do live in a busy culture. I remember years ago when smartphones came out. If you guys remember the old Nokia 3210s that you used to use with the snake game that you used to play and uh, you could see how long you get that snake on that thing. I had a pr- uh, I was going to say something that didn't sound too good then. But uh, th- there was that game. Then we went to the smartphone, which we thought was going to fix the world. Well, like, I can check my emails at home now. Wherever I am, I can be in the car and, hey, someone just sent me an email. I can reply to that and do that. But it didn't make us more efficient in many ways. It just made us busier and more wired so we're not able to switch off anymore. And I think that's the common thing. We're not able to switch off and focus on what are the important things. But I'll give you a flip, flip side to that. Some of the people that tell me they're the most busiest also say things like this. I'll be talking about a Netflix show that I've watched on TV, and I say, yeah, I just saw that, and they go, I've watched all eight seasons. Number seven is the best. I actually watched that season twice. <laughs> and you're kind of like, okay. So you're telling me you don't have 10 minutes for God each day, and you can't go out and take your wife out on a date, but you've done eight seasons of this. It's, uh, it's, uh, there. Or I talk to a guy, I'll be talking to a guy, and I'll notice his muscular physique, and I'll be kind of like, hey, this guy is pretty cut. He's pretty good. Some people do that to me too, I know. It's uh, just part of the, no. But, uh, but I'll, I'll notice that and I'll think, that must have taken a lot of time to get that physique. And I'll say, man, do you work out? Yeah, I do, mate. I, I work out six times a week, two hours a day, and without fail, never miss it. And you're kind of like, again, you don't have 10 minutes each day to spend with God. You can't take your wife out on a date and you don't prioritize that. So... This is the one time where everyone with muscles in the rooms kind of shrinks back a little bit and uh, puts a jumper on over the top. But we do have this in there. And, uh, but priorities are key. What you prioritize and what you value is what you'll reap at the end of your life. And, and go, the Bible says what we sow is what we reap in that. So it's, uh, it's very important. But the good thing is, we often don't need to make major changes to prioritize something. Sometimes we do. So there's been, on the odd occasion, I've said to people, you're working two jobs, your wife's working one, you've got two kids, you're not in church, you you don't see your kids after uh, after work because they get babysat, maybe you need to get rid of one of the jobs and, and live a bit more simply. Sometimes you do need to make a major change, but most of the time, you don't need to make a major change. It's just tweaking things. I was talking with Pastor Jordan this week. And he said, have you looked at that John Bevere video uh, where they did a survey? And I, and I hadn't seen it, but I had a look at it. And John Bevere, who's a, a great Christian leader, he sat down and interviewed a guy. And uh, this guy had been a part of a study that had polled 40,000 people. And uh, to see what the effect of reading your Bible has on you exter- internally and externally and in different areas. And, and what they found is if you read the Bible once a week, that even might be you, you class this now as once a week. Oh, someone read the Bible to me, so that's my once a week. 
And he said the results were negligible. There wasn't much change at all. He said if you read the Bible twice a week, the results are the same, negligible, not much change at all. He said when it went to three times, it actually jumped a little bit, but still not much change. But he said when you got to four times, it was, the jump was amazing. He said it went way up. And these are some of the things he said from it. He said it just spiked. If the, these guys can put the slides up. He said feeling lonely dropped by 30%. Anger problems dropped by 32%. Bitterness in your marriage, relation, marriage and relationship with the kids and so on dropped 40%. Spiritual stagnancy dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. And then the other side of it, sharing your faith jumped 200% and discipling others jumped 200%. But I think this is achievable because without all of us, it didn't say it, when you read the Bible seven hours a day, seven days a week, this happened. It said when you spent four times a week, just opened up the Word, spent time in the Word, and you prioritize that. It's amazing what can happen. So I want to encourage us. Let's all look at areas in our life that we need to grow and prioritize in. It may be in family. It may be with your friendships. It may be with God. It may be your time with God. I know for me, if I don't prioritize it, I'm not as nice a person. I, I very quickly go back into being grumpy dad or grumpy husband, and I know you guys can't believe that, but it, it does happen. It's uh, the things like having dinner with your family at the dinner table without the phone on. It, it's very important. We run the parenting workshop each year, and one of the sessions we play a video, and they get the parents together in one room, and they ask them, who would you like to have dinner with if you could choose anyone to have dinner with in the world? And they say things like Justin Bieber or Kylie Minogue. And the other parents are like, oh, come on, why would you choose him or her? And they kind of have a laugh. But then they take him into another room and they put the kids in a different room. So the parents can see the kids, but the kids can't see the parents. And they ask them the same question. And they say, who would you like to have dinner with the most? And, and all of the kids either say mum or dad or family. And you see the parents kind of welling up in tears going, oh, man, I, I haven't valued this. I haven't prioritized this. I need to do that. It really is key. Another one is uh, things like birthdays, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, things like this. Value them. Put priority on making someone feel special. Value your words. I know, I know a couple of years ago, I uh, was at a really busy week. The night before Valentine's Day, I picked up Jazz's present. I had pre-organized it. I was just picking it up. And then I was running back. And I got to the car, and I was like, oh, I need to get something for the kids. I was like, I'll be all right. And I, I went back, and I got them a rose each, went home, wrote them a card got up a little bit early, dressed in a suit, and took their rose and their card in and sang Happy Valentine's Day to them in the morning. Do you know they comment on that so much? It probably took me about 45 minutes, all in all, to make it happen, but I think it has a lifetime impact. And there's some of these things that if you prioritize them, they will really help in there. Maybe it's spending time with friends. Maybe it's coming to Rise and Stand next week. Some of these things that you prioritize time, you put first these things, and it's amazing, the outcomes. Number two, you ready for number two? Right expectations. We need right expectations. Uh, we run pre-marriage here at church, and, and one of the things they talk on is a program called Prepare and Rich. And uh, one of the things they talk on is having right expectations. They talk on this thing called idealistic distortion, which really means, are you going to marriage with the wrong expectations? Are you going in there as, as a lady maybe, and you're like, my husband is going to come home on a white horse and a carriage every day and he's going to bring me flowers. And he, are you, have you got these unrealistic expectations? And I think in our culture around marriage and some of this stuff, we set up to have wrong expectations because when we date, 
you dress up well, you put your makeup on, and this guys and the girls maybe, you put your, you do these things, you, you laugh at each other's jokes, you, you always talk about the good things. Then on the wedding day, you get dressed up like a photo shoot, you look your best, guys work out for months in advance, girls work out for months in advance to get ready for it, so I look my best on my wedding day. But then six months later, you're sitting in the kitchen, both got your daggy clothes on, no makeup, no hair done, and you're kind of worrying about how we're going to pay the bills in some way. The, the distortion has changed. And it's, now, what does that mean? Does it mean, okay, now I need to go into a marriage with a low expectation of uh, this is going to be terrible, and then it's, a, it's like going into a movie. If I expect it's going to be bad, anything's a bonus, really. No, you don't want to change like that. What you do want to do is go into it with a right expectation. A right expectation. So you, 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 you don't want, um, you want high expectations, not wrong expectations. Uh, let me give you an example. If I buy a toaster and I expect it to cook great toast and it's crispy and nice, great, that's a high expectation. If I expect it to cook my steak and vegetables and it doesn't come out, I can go, what is wrong with you, toaster? It's a wrong expectation in there. If you've seen the video on YouTube or something where they do that and it comes out, well, don't send it to me. I... Uh, I'll be good with that, but, it's, uh, but we do need to have right expectations because otherwise we won't uh, do well. Some of the wrong expectations we have are of God, where God, um, we, God isn't our genie. God isn't someone that we come to and we say, well, God, I want this, 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 and this, and you've got this amount of time to deliver these things. It's a wrong expectation. And when God doesn't do the things we want, often we can get disappointed. We can get a bit annoyed. Who's been in that place before? Yeah, Pastor Izzy and Duncan. Yeah, 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 that's good. That's good. I'll keep an eye on you guys. But we've all been in that place. We've all been in that place. You read stories in the Bible. David was in that place. God, why are my enemies surrounding me? Why is this happening? Why don't you do this? And, but he always changed and said, but God, I praise you. And he changed from that disappointment to praise in that sense and did that. But all of us will face this where we have these things. And it might be our friends. I, my friends will never say any or do anything that lets me down or hurts me. Your friends will hurt you at one point. Your friends will let you down at one point. If that's your expectation, when that doesn't happen, you get disappointed again. It might be your, your wife or your husband in there where they've let you down and, and you had an expectation. They were meant to fill every need. They were meant to fill this, but they don't. But God often puts people together to complement each other so you fill each other. But it's not, we're not meant to be that a whole thing because we're all imperfect people. If you go into marriage with the expectation of I'm going to get now rather than I'm going to give now, it's a wrong expectation. And when you need to give, you won't give and you'll be in trouble. So I think we need to get right expectations. Otherwise, it leads to disappointment. Because here's my expectation. Here's the reality. And that gap in the middle is disappointment there where we're like, and then what happens when we get disappointment? We make bad choices. We either go, well, God, you've let me down. God, you've done this, or so-and-so, you've done this, and it doesn't help us out. Let me tell you a story in the Bible that is there in Genesis. This is the story of Abram and Sarah. Abram and Sarah, and these guys, in Genesis chapter 12, Abram was promised all these things, that you'll be a father of many nations, you'll get great land, you'll, get, you'll be blessed, you'll be a blessing to others. And uh, he gets this great uh, prophecy by God. And then as we move on, this will come up on the screen, Genesis chapter 15 this is where he gets to, Abram comes back to God and he says this, God, you've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, 
No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own, and who will be your heir? The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed God, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. See, Abram had slipped into wrong expectation, and God brought it back around to right expectation. Hey, this is going to happen. And you can see it switching, Abram, and it's actually counted to him as faith. But then you look in chapter 16, which is a chapter later, from verse 1 to 2. It says, now Sarah, this is Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servants. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. He's like, hey, I'm up for that. He agreed with it. So Abram has gone from having these massive encounters where God's saying, hey, Abram, I've called you. You're going to be the father of many nations. Nations are going to be blessed through you. He, God, Abram comes back to him and goes, God, are you sure? Because this doesn't look like it's happening. I'm sure. Look at the stars. Look at the sky. This is going to happen. Then his wife comes to him at the next chapter in and goes, I don't think this is going to happen. Let's make, it, let's make it happen. Let's make a bad decision here. And uh, you can see in her voice this, this kind of disappointment. She says, the Lord has prevented me from having children, so let's just do it ourselves. It's this kind of disappointment that leads to a bad decision. I want to talk to the single people here right now, especially the single people who feel like they've been single for too long, in a sense, where you need to be very careful in that season. Because sometimes you can kind of go, well, I had this expectation that God will bring a partner down for me for, by this time, but it hasn't happened yet. And you've got to be careful that you don't go, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to make it happen. Because I've seen it so many times before you make that decision and like me or Pastor Mari, Pastor Spencer, we end up kind of going through counsel with those people years down the track of like, oh, why is this happening? Why does my husband not want to come to church? Why are we on completely different paths and different things like that? What it is, you made a decision because you were settling in your heart because of disappointment and it led to really a lot of pain or, or, or different things in there. So really, I, I want to encourage you guys, if you're single right now and your list has gone from five pages long as qualities you want to see in a guy and uh, who is here. I want to see faith and I want to see love and kindness and goodness and all these type of things in him. And it's just gone to, he's, he's a guy. <laughs> Probably a warning sign. Probably a warning sign. Do you know me and Jazz, years ago, we, uh, when, we, when I was in Bible college, I started to like Jazz. But that year I'd said, I'm not going to date anyone this year. I'd kind of made that commitment to God. It was said, if you're not dating, don't, don't start dating this year. Give that year to God to really go after. And I remember about halfway through, I started to like jazz. I thought, I'm not going to do that. I talked to a couple of people on it, and they said, yeah, she's great. You should go for it. And I said, no, I'm going to wait till the end of the year. I get to the end of the year. I'm about to ask her out on the Saturday. And uh, Thursday night, she comes to me, a bit kind of teary, and says, look, I don't think I'm ready to date now. And um, I've talked to my family, and we've kind of made a decision. It's not going to happen yet. And uh, it's because we kind of have mutual friends. We kind of knew we liked each other and, and different things like that. And, uh, and uh, so I went home and my expectation went from, God, I've done this the right way. And I've tried to honor you in this. And I've really been good in this area. And then you mess it up for me. Come on, what's going on? <laughs> and I remember Saturday morning, I get on the phone. And I call Stuart, her dad. And uh, I'm like, hey, Stuart, it's Luke. Hey, Luke. He said, uh, I think I know what you're calling about. Let me save you some time. <laughs> he said, uh, 
Jazz has got two more years of uni. She's not going to date anyone until after she's finished uni. And we don't know if you're the right one anyway, so just leave it alone. And uh, he was being a protective dad. He was being a protective dad. And uh, in there. And then uh, I literally came out, and there was a movie on, A Walk in the Clouds, Keanu Reeves. And it was just, I wasn't watching it. I don't watch those type of movies because I'm, I'm tough. But um, I, I came out. And Keanu Reeves was asking to date his daughter. He's like, you were not dead, my daughter. Literally, at that moment, I walked out. I said, I know how you feel, buddy. This is uh... But you know, over the next couple of months, there was different emotions and different things happening in there. One was, God, if it's meant to be, let it be. Another one was, if it's not meant to be, then let me not go down that track. I don't want to be feeling. But then there was another thought in there. I know that girl over there kind of likes me a little bit, or that girl there. Maybe I should just do that. I didn't think it was the right thing. I just wanted a relationship then because I was like, well, God, you didn't do it. So should I do it? And there was these, they were, I didn't majorly go down that track, but there were those thoughts in there that I know I could have easily gone down that track. And uh, that's where we get into trouble. But nine months later, Stuart came back to us after church one day and he said, Luke, I've looked at the way you've honored my daughter. And I've looked at the way you've chased after God and she has as well. And, and uh, if you're still wanting to go there, then you've got my blessing and you can ask her out. So I played it cool. I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, see what I'm up to over the next few years. And uh, yeah, no, no, I didn't, I didn't. And the rest is history. But, uh, but you want to, don't make your own decisions because of disappointment and, 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 and struggling in that type of time. Get right expectation. Put right expectation on your marriage. Now, keep hope in your marriage if you don't feel hope in there at the moment. Keep, don't make a bad decision in this time. And uh, it got to really help you. The last one, just a quick one, is right character. Right character. You know, no relationship can flourish without good character. It's uh, good looks, the muscles, the sense of humor, all that stuff can start relationships, but they can't hold and maintain relationships. They, uh, they can't do that. They just won't. They will kill relationships. But you need character. Things like faithfulness. Things like honesty. Things like purity. Things like... Um, all these generosity uh, if you don't have these who knows no matter how funny or uh, nice someone is if you can never trust them it's not going to go forward if you're always doing stuff for them and you never get anything back you, you don't really want to be friends with that person you don't want to go down that track we need to develop character for good healthy relationships and, uh, and the other thing with character is you can't comp comp compartmentalize it you can't say, well, I'm faithful to God, for example, but I'm not faithful to my wife, and, or I'm faithful at work, but I'm not faithful at church. You're either faithful or you're not in many ways. You're not perfect. You're not perfect, but you're faithful internally. It's not a matter of where I am. And this is what I love about church. Church teaches you these things. Let me give you an example. If you're here and you are on a roster serving and helping somewhere, which is good to do because it says, like, it, 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 like, when you look at some of these things, when you're committed more, then it helps you to go forward. But if you're there, you'll have times where you don't feel like turning up because you're tired and you don't want to be there. Faithfulness teaches you to turn up when you don't feel like it. You'll have times where people will say stuff that will offend you and you need to forgive them. You need to learn forgiveness in that time and you need to learn these things. It helps you. So when you're in marriage and you don't feel like being there, when you're in marriage and you don't feel like forgiving, you've already learned that character quality. So I want to encourage you. This is what the church is meant to do. It's meant to sharpen us and prep us for these other areas. When you look at divorce rates, let's look at faithfulness for a minute. Divorce rates here are 
Divorce rates for Christians, 50%. You kind of go, oh. But when you look at it a step further, they've done some studies now on divorce rates for committed Christians, which means you're in a connect group or serving or you're, you're heavily in church. It goes down to well under 10%. Well under 10%. What is that saying? It's saying if you've, you may call yourself a Christian, but if you don't have the character to sustain things, you're not going to be able to have healthy and flourishing relationships. I was, I was doing my devotions this week, and I listened to a Nicky Gumbel. I'm doing the Bible in a year, and it was a, a, a thing on being unfaithful. And he talked on it, and he said there was an ad campaign in England that was set up for married couples who wanted to have an affair. And he said the slogan of it was, the grass is always greener. The grass is always greener. He said it was on billboards everywhere and different things like that. You've got to be careful. If you don't have character, those things sound appealing. If you don't have strength in there, these things can eat away at your unfaithfulness. That's just one example, but it's everything. But how do we build character? How do we build character? Real quickly, character is built by what you're chasing the most. If you're chasing money the most, then your character will be, I'll do anything to get money. Whether I need to walk on people, whether I need to cheat people, whether I need to do that, that is what I'm building it on. If you're building it on acceptance of people, you will do everything in your character to please people. I'll lie and make myself look better because then they'll like me more. I'll do this to make them like me more. And it won't hurt. If you're chasing the fun and the thrills and the excitement, you'll do anything to get the next high or the next excitement, things like that. But what we need to do is we need to chase God. We need to have that God, I want to chase you. You're the most important thing to me. I want to do things your way. I want to live your way. And I know I can see it in my life as I've lived for God. God's way is the best way. Not without challenge, not without trouble, but it is God's way. I love this. Mother Teresa said this. She says, I'm not called to be successful, but to be faithful. I'm not called to be successful, but to be faithful. I think what she's saying is, hey, I'm not called to, for all you guys to look at me and go, wow, well done. I'm called to be faithful to God and do my part, do what I'm called to do and build that in there. And I want to encourage all of us here. Let's build character. God allows us to have the choice to build our character. Deuteronomy 30 says this, And I command you today, love God, your God, walk in His ways, keep His commandments, regulations, and rules, so you will live, really live, live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you're about to enter and possess. I think when we get this right, this character area right, and we go, God, let me let go of my will, take on your will. Let me not try and be the boss of this, but let me choose to have you as my boss, as my Lord, as my Savior. Then everything changes. Everything changes. And you, it's like getting the top button done up on your shirt. As you get the top button done up, all the other ones fall into place. And this is the most important thing. So out of everything I've said today, I want you to grab hold of that. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.